Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about business and media, technology, rising stories. We are here at the Super Bowl Radio Row. Um, we're definitely going to talk about the business of sports. I'm Joe Favorito with Tom Cerny sitting in for a voiceless Scott Rosner. And our guest is Scott Sashnik of Bloomberg. Scott, welcome. Thank you, thank you. We should all be on the cusp of something. We're on the cusp of, of lunacy, probably. Usually. Well, so. I'm not on the cusp of lunacy. No, I, I, so. I am past lunacy at this thing. So. so what's up with Scott? Too much Miami or uh, uh, real sick? We don't know, really. He's wandering around. He was miming me questions before, so I'm not really <laughs> sure how that's going to work. Yeah, I think it was day one of podcast got to Yeah, him got to him too much. Surprising. But anyway, so Scott, um, topics of the day, you just wrote a story about kind of the rebirth from a business standpoint of the NFL. Um, what have you been seeing that's changed in the last half of the season from a business perspective? Gotten better, gotten worse, new people involved. We could talk a little bit about gambling in a couple minutes, but just kind of your overall take on the state of the NFL. Well, I can tell you what we have not seen, and we have not seen a stream of invective from the President of the United States there we go. on Twitter telling people football is suddenly bad and that these players don't deserve your money and attention and that you shouldn't watch and they shouldn't have jobs if they're going to kneel for the national anthem. That has been the major change, that that constant stream of negative, negative, negative from Trump has stopped. The attention is elsewhere. And we've seen some data among Republicans on the the feel of the NBA brand has certainly rebounded. The NFL. Yeah, I'm sorry, the, the NFL. NBA, yeah, the, the NBA, NBA too. NBA, NBA, NBA yeah. Sorry, good, sorry. So. The, the NFL brand has certainly yeah. occurred. Yeah. So that that is one of the big things we've seen. And with that, of course, audience has gone up. All the networks are up over last year. Comes at a wonderful time for the NFL when discussions towards new TV contracts have started. You've got these cash-rich tech and digital companies waiting to jump in in some capacity whether or not it's the whole hog give us an exclusive big package probably not but still the attention is there so that's what uh, the real rebound is and right now among tv properties there's nothing hotter than the nfl hmm. um what do you think about the the new companies that are coming in will they come in at big price points for pieces this is obviously extremely valuable to the networks as standalone it's the only on-demand programming that people are still going to and watching. Um, if you looked ahead for the, re the negotiation, will we see new faces or will it be just kind of the rejig of where we are? Guess is you'll see the new faces. You're going to see the Apples. You're going to see the Googles jump in in some capacity. But the technology has to be proven. The mm -hmm. NFL cannot dole out any exclusive package and then worry that for some reason concurrent number of viewers will not be able to get it. And we're just not sure what that number is right now and who has the technology, if anyone, that they can guarantee that there will not be problems. Because every time we're seeing like the college football title game, there were problems with the stream. So with every one of those bad headlines, it becomes less and less likely that the NFL would give a streaming company an exclusive package. So they slice and dice further what they have, kind of what you have now on Thursday night. Amazon streams Thursday night, but you can still see it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, the Rooney Rule. Been a lot of talk. Uh, how Talks does that, about all there's been. Right. That, so, so how, your view on kind of 
why that hasn't changed, how does it matter to the league as much, in your opinion, from a business perspective, um, and, and how do you think progress can be made? Frankly, if I was a progressive, intelligent, confident owner in the NFL, I would hope that they would do nothing. Because that's advantage me. If I understand that there is benefit to having a diverse pool of candidates, a diverse pool of employees, and we're talking gender, race, that that's to my advantage, great. I hope everybody stays stuck in the old days and the old boy network and everybody looks the same and has the same beliefs and background and understanding. Great. You go do your way. I'll do it my way, and let's see who wins more Super Bowls. Why it has occurred? Boy, it, it's, it's tough. When you have a labor force in football that is so predominantly black, and then it does not translate as you get to coaching and administration and ownership, you'd have to say that's the reason. I You'd, you'd have to go from ownership on down to see where that can make the biggest impact. But the rule certainly has not worked. And Roger Goodell said as much, we have to do better, we have to look and see why. The why, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But just having lip service toward a rule and the sham interviews when the mind has already been made up, it doesn't account, it doesn't amount to anything. Mm -hmm. So if you really now have these top assistant coaches feel as if the opportunity is not there for them and they're looking to the college ranks and they're going elsewhere then you're just hurting the NFL. I mean it's a basic business principle that you want the diverse candidates. Right. Let's see if they follow through on good business practice. Mm -hmm. um, gambling in Las Vegas with the Raiders moving um, how does that impact the league? How do you think NFL was really the last league to come to the table on the gambling side but it's still kind of being played out um, most people think that's the biggest advantage that the NFL will have going forward is the money that will, can be made off of gambling. How do you think it's played out so far with the gambling companies and then factor into a new franchise moving to Las Vegas and what that means? Yeah, I don't think the Raiders going to Las Vegas has a huge impact because if we're talking about sports betting on a nationwide scale, if I can go to the Meadowlands and bet on my phone or as some New Yorkers are apt to do, including my colleague Evan Novi Williams, walk halfway across the George Washington I was Bridge, say that, yeah. and then realize Certainly the home of yes, mobile gambling. Exactly, so. and then all of a sudden his phone geolocates to New Jersey, and he can do what he wants to do. Um, Wasn't there a picture like that? Was it in The Godfather where they went halfway across the bridge and then turned, turned back around? Turned around. Yeah, yeah. So. They, they didn't turn around slowly, though, right, but right, yeah, yeah, that was right. a quick turnaround. Um, so, from a macro standpoint. Certainly the NFL will enjoy a bump in folks right. at least touching their game and hanging around longer, you'd have to presume, because if the outcome is already decided in a, I will pick two teams that I normally wouldn't watch and wouldn't care about, the Buccaneers against the Texans, mm -hmm. if you have a few ducats riding on the game or the over-under or will this person not pursue, I mean, say, same as your fantasy league, you have a reason to find out, you have a reason to watch. But I can tell you that in the early stages of these discussions with the networks, the NFL wants at two things for sure. 
they want a detailed plan for digital and they want a detailed plan for sports betting. What do you plan to do? And the networks are the ones that will enjoy that engagement, making the property even more valuable, making Roger Goodell and the owner smile. Right. Do you think now with all the gambling laws being fragmented, right, state by state, do you think that hurts if, or helps in the long run, right? Because now you see, like like you said, people walking halfway across the George Washington Bridge, yeah. placing their bet and then walking back. Does that help or hurt the NFL? R- rather than my speculating, let's just go with what I believe almost all of the commissioners have said that they would prefer a federal right. framework where everybody knows the rules, they apply to all would make it easiest from the league standpoint because state by state would make it difficult even for the companies that are trying to sign their deals right. you know almost all teams are jumping in with the DraftKings or a FanDuel or multiple you know who are, who are my betting partners is it going to be MGM is it going to be FoxBet right. yeah. they'd like to know the federal have a federal framework where they could do it roll things out on a national basis mm-hmm. um, new revenue streams in addition to gambling from a business perspective cannabis and CBD um, the streaming side, what other businesses or lines of business are you starting to see that are becoming legitimate, not just for the NFL, but in sports in general? Oof, boy. What is it in sports in general? I mean, mm. it, it really, there isn't anything that doesn't touch sports because people forget, but it is just entertainment. Mm. I mean, it, it really is just entertainment. Uh, I, I look at everybody's ability to be a broadcaster. Uh, the, the social impact has been unbelievable. You, sadly, for me and for anyone in the media, the fact of the matter is that LeBron James doesn't need anybody. If LeBron James wants to talk to the world, as Donald Trump has proven and shown, you don't need, let's go to the, the standard bears, you don't need the New York Times. You don't need the evening news. You don't need the today's show. One tweet, one one live broadcast, one periscope, one, you name it. Mm-hmm. And you're broadcasting to the world. So sort of the athletes as brands themselves, as media companies themselves, how they capitalize, how they utilize. It's amazing uh, not to pick on the New York Knicks. Uh, but you saw in a recent game last night, you know, a player had some unflattering, unwise comments about an opponent. And guessing, don't know, but guessing somebody with the franchise went to him quickly and said, you better make this right. I mean, how fast was his tweet of apology out? It's because he can go directly to the fan base. Whether or not it comes off as authentic or forced, whatever, that's to be debated. But the fact is, it was out. It was out pretty darn quick. Mm -hmm. Um, Ownerships. Not a lot of change in ownerships this year across sports. Not a lot of M&A, yeah. Right. Um, Surprised? Where is new money coming from? You know, obviously some talk with the Mets bringing in a new ownership group. Um... Where do you see the new breed or the new scale of owners coming from? Is it in the U.S. with young people and venture businesses? Is it foreign money coming in? How do you think that will play out going forward? Yes, I, I, that, that is what I see. So. But I'm not surprised because what drives the value is also the reason that there's very little usual turnover. It, it, it's just scarcity. Mm-hmm. So you, let's take the Denver Broncos as a prime example. 
Pat Bowen had it's a difficult transition. I don't know if people are kind of up on what has to happen. He he put very strict guidelines into a succession plan, and only one of his children seems to have satisfied that. Now she has to satisfy the board. But the fact is, people want to hold on to these things. Mm-hmm. In the old days, 20 years ago or whatever, if Paul Allen died, there would be a sale of a franchise. Right. Now, well, his sister's got it, and there's no rush. It's it's revenue positive, it's cash positive, and it's part of his portfolio. And why, Nobody needs to rush to make this sale. People are looking, those who do have control of these franchises, increasingly where the change is, is in those limited partnerships. That's for ways people to get involved now, whether or not you get a voice on the board or any control. But it's a training ground. Uh, it used to be in the old days that you could just bring the money and you could buy a piece. Now there's competition for those stakes and you better bring some strategic value to it, whether it's media, whether it's real estate, whether it's finance. I look at the Golden State Warriors ownership group as a perfect example of that. And that they amazingly built an arena and financed it entirely in-house mm-hmm. in their ownership group because they had the expertise to do it. That's added value. And looking forward, my guess is, look at what the Yankees just did with Yes Network. Who, who did they bring on as partners? They brought in Sinclair right. for strategic distribution heft and Amazon for... Not only stream, but e-commerce, mm-hmm. developing. And I mean, who separates your money from you better than Amazon these days? So those are strategics that I'm guessing will also add, because they're limited stakes, breadth in their ownership portfolios. Mm-hmm. Um, for people, new money coming into sports, that may not be able to get in at the level of at least the big four, mm-hmm. taking MLS out of it, where do you see... Sports, leagues, gaming, people flowing money into just to get involved in the space of business of sports. Right now, I see tech and media. Mm. Uh, Everybody's looking at the ancillary parts. So, okay, if I don't have the team, what are the platforms, where are the businesses that involve the teams? Mm. And that's, that's existing ownership groups. Those are, that's private equity, even venture capital. Everybody's looking in tech and media. How can we do better? Whether it's uh, whether it's Players Tribune, mm-hmm. you know, be, being sold, and uh, Barstool Sports. That's the gaming aspect of it. But that's also that's going to be a lot of technology as well, mm-hmm. as well as content. I mean, you're buying an audience there, sure. Um, but those are the those are the two areas I see people really investing. That what can mm-hmm. we do in tech? What can do we do in media as it pertains to teams, to leagues, worldwide? So as you kind of think of the digital landscape and, and kind of horrors expanding almost, what do you think about globalization in general, right? So the NBA was just in France. Um, kind of where do you see that going? Because I feel like a lot of times this is a personal thought that owners are all in on globalization, but then they have to send their team to overseas and then the hands quickly go down. So where do you see kind of, is it more of a digital play to go global or will you see an advancement of teams still going overseas into different locations? Right. Well, one one little clarification I would make, you said borders are expanding. Yep. I'd say borders are disappearing. Right. Mm. There, years ago, you know, David Stern brought uh, business leaders in to talk to the owners during meetings and 
I mean, we're going back quite a ways. And I remember he had Tom Friedman of the Times in uh, when he wrote the book, The World is Flat. Mm. Because he wanted to really hammer home the message to the owners that, and let's keep in mind, what did he call his international program? Basketball without borders. Right. He understood that when he went to Timpu Bhutan and he's looking in the internet cafe, there's a kid on, on the NBA.com page. And it doesn't matter that he doesn't live within driving distance of United Center or Madison Square Garden because the majority of people will never go to an NBA game. But they will, as long as they touch the game in some capacity. So you'll have, in terms of specific questions, some owners will still push to be the teams with the boots on the ground and touch. Um, I mean, obviously, Joe Tai will have the Nets in China. Shad Khan will have the Jags in London. And others will look. Some don't really need the opportunity or don't, want, don't covet the opportunity to be exported to the world they're happy with. And it's also league-related or you know, league-specific well. But audience, I'm not sure what an NFL team would get going to Asia right now. A player, on the other hand, that's the beauty, that if you become big enough, and I saw Lee Steinberg walking around here before, and we had a nice conversation about the platform of the Super Bowl and what it does. If Pat Mahomes wins this thing in MVP fashion, he goes from admired from the core football audience of 20, 30 million to now known and admired to the casual audience of the viewing public of 100 plus million that enables him to do a great many other things not necessarily aligned with the chiefs so he can do it on his own so i mean i think more owners than not will look to explore those international opportunities because scale is where the money's at whether it's tech-driven or not, that's the easiest way to do it. I mean, the arena is X amount of seats times ticket price. That's finite number. You can sell a whole lot more stuff, clips, T-shirts, whatever it is, if you obviously sell to the world. So my guess is that you will see more as technology improves, more and more teams will look to capitalize on the global market. Athletes as investors. Um, you talked about the value of an athlete brand and how they can go direct to media to, to consumer right now bypass the media what athletes are there specific athletes that you have your eye on that people may not be watching I mean Andre Iguodala has been talked about who are doing really smart things for their next part of their career after they're finished yes uh, the one name I would throw out there that people may not know is in that category would be Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics hmm. Jalen is he's very engaged in the venture capital and tech communities uh, he wants to learn he's, he asks a ton of questions he's getting to know the right people while he has the platform of being a Boston Celtic a lot of people wait too long right. like Grant Hill told me years ago that on road trips he used to meet with the opposing team's owners knowing that that's a good relationship for him to have. And even Grant at the time probably could have gotten those meetings when he was done playing because he was Grant Hill, because his mother was on Wall Street, because his father was Calvin Hill, Dallas Cowboy slash Yale. But that's not how Grant understood. It's better for me to have those relationships, see and touch and learn from those folks. 
So I was at uh, a little get-together last night with some NFL players. And this is good because I think it really points to it can be anybody. I was talking to a 24-year-old rookie from the Miami Dolphins. Apologies to my friend that I had a conversation with. I don't remember his name. I don't. But He's on LinkedIn, though. You can find uh, him. I, I, I can find him if I have to. But the way he was talking about he lives in Lauderdale. He's like, and he brought up a tax-free state. He lives, does, did some appearances here and there and does things during the season, has a deal with a local uh, car dealership, drives a Chevy, I believe he said, mm. because he gets it for free. Lives on the modest, again, this is a 24-year-old rookie whose name I don't remember, modest $70,000 a year, does not touch his salary at all. Very Rob Gronkowski-esque, mm. but on a smaller scale. But this is a kid and I can say kid because I'm so damn old at this point, but this is a guy that I'm guessing will in the next two, three, four years, and he said he understood the careers are short, doesn't know, but he's doing the right things. He's like, I would like to do a podcast. I'd like to meet this person. So the, the message seems to be filtering down, and all of this is going to start way, I mean, while in college, High school. This, high school, yeah. yeah. This is all going to start for these athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think we're now in that generation looking forward where you're going to see much more of what Magic, Michael started, LeBron, Kobe elevated, and what they think they can do. They, they understand that there's NBA, NFL, MLB rich and they understand there's a difference between owner wealthy. And they all, not all, many aspire to that upper echelon, that next echelon of, I want to own stuff. I don't want to get paid to put my name on it. I want to own it. How long, last question, how long do you think into that conversation come more athletes who happen to be women? Is it coming? Will the money have to come more and more from other opportunities? Or are there athletes who happen to be women now who you think already fit that, that mold? I think it's happening now. Yeah, athletes are there. Let's look at Kerry Walsh Jennings, mm-hmm. uh, who attended our... We, we sponsor a, a VC and athlete and tech summit in San Francisco, and, and she was there. And it's interesting to see, like, Teresa Gao, a big-time investor met her there and the women seem to find the women mm-hmm. and the women of power and money are looking to elevate the athletes mm-hmm. that's happening corporate America is going to find out very quickly the value of investing in women look at this WNBA deal that was just signed mm-hmm. that is a harbinger of things to come you may say that the revenue right now doesn't justify what the league just put out, but you're looking down the road as to the what is the possible ROI. Somebody very smart and very capitalized, I don't know who that person is right now, is going to roll up women's sports and make a killing. Tom, any parting thoughts? No? Tom has no parting thoughts. I, I don't either. Uh, But once again, Scott, we appreciate you stopping by on the Cusp Show and talking about some of the bigger picture issues that you're seeing. Uh, 
Your Twitter handle is? At Sashnik. Very easy. Very easy. So, and if, if you, you can have, spell Sashnik. <laughs> right. and, and by the way, if you ever want to talk anything about youth hockey, Scott's your guy. So. Yeah, don't let your kid do it. You yeah. will have no more money. We're, yeah. spe- we're speaking about revenue and, and money yeah. and all these things. If you want to keep your money, do not let your child play youth hockey. Yeah. That, that will rob, rob you all of it. Smart financial advice. Once again, <laughs> Scott Soshnick, uh thanks for joining us on the Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito along with Tom Cerny. We'll see you down the road.